Hello, my friends. This is Persephone Rose. I am the Red Diva, and this is episode six of the Sovereign Health Podcast. I get to say it again. I have just come off trail, and it was a trail that kicked my ass. Hence, this episode did not drop at 12.01 a.m. this morning. I am, as usual, recording in my antique apartment building in the heart of the Willamette Valley in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. And to be honest, there is some fairly obnoxious street construction happening in the neighborhood. My apologies if that's distracting. Welcome to my life. I tend to go back and forth between topics that center around nutrition and topics that center around other topics like life and uh, self with a capital S and other parts of living a sovereign life. Right now, in terms of nutrition, we are in the middle of a series talking about my favorite macronutrient, fat. And on the self side of things, well, I am floating in a surreal cloud of exhilaration and exhaustion left over from my recent Big Rocks adventure trek. So today, I'm going to tell you that story the story of this amazing six-day hike that my love and I just did around the iconic Three Sisters Mountains here in Oregon. And more than the first we did this and then we did that, I'm going to share with you some of the aha moments, the ways I grew as a person, ways I was humbled, and ways that I was proud. How I watched our relationship crumble and heal and grow, and change, realizations about how, as a backpacker, I relied on my partner instead of being sovereign, and the times when that was okay, and the times when it wasn't. I learned so much about being prepared, and about rolling with the punches, about being fit, and letting the adventure be an insane workout. Since we've been talking about fat, I wanted to take a second and mention one that is a go-to supplement, both on and off trail. It's MCTs, or medium chain triglycerides. Fats come in various lengths, and the medium length ones, usually from palm or coconut oil, are pretty magical. They're absorbed fast, they cannot be stored as body fat, or used in gluconeogenesis to create glucose, but are instead turned straight into ketones for energy use in the muscles and brain. I put MCT oil or powder in my morning coffee, oatmeal, or smoothie. I half joke that I got through grad school on MCTs, and now I can say I got through this rough patch of trail on them as well. MCTs are a really easy way to get an energy boost, whether that's in the body or the brain. This trail adventure was for my love's birthday weekend. They are not big on holidays or big gatherings, so we tend to escape into the wild whenever their birthday rolls around. 
However, it was also a trip that was planned by me, for me, about me. It covered some terrain that I had traveled many, many moons and suns ago with my original family as a young teenager. It was also the first really big, really hard backpacking trip that I have gone on as an adult, and I was taking the lead on planning and mapping and all the things. Also, my love is an accomplished through hiker, having completed the entirety of the Pacific Crest Trail a few years ago. So there were some hopes and expectations around this trip that may have been a little bit off between us going into it. Our plan, our expectation is that we would average about 10 miles a day. That was raising the bar on my end and lowering it on theirs. The trail circumnavigating the Three Sisters is roughly 50 miles long. Just before leaving, we read some weather reports and social media reports suggesting that there was still snow in Themthar Mountains, so we decided to pack for cold weather as well as bring our snowshoes along, and this added a considerable amount of weight to our packs. What we didn't read about or learn about was that with the late snowmelt, the Forest Service hadn't yet gotten into certain areas to clean things up and do trail maintenance. And this was not even on my radar, even a tiny little bit. We started the hike at a trailhead in the middle of an area called the Pole Creek Burn Scar, which we knew would be bleak and hot and not all that beautiful. But we were not prepared for the massive number of winter snow and wind storm tree falls that covered the trail. Well, really, what trail? Because sometimes we couldn't find it at all and got a little lost. Thank the goddess for GPS tracking systems. But remember that hiking 10 miles a day with a 40-pound pack in altitude with elevation gain, etc., etc., was was doable, but it was pushing me to my limit. And now we were crawling over piles of downed logs, sometimes going way around and off trail to get around a log jam, only to get back and have covered a few feet of trail. So we did not make it 10 miles that day. We camped near some tiny little lakes that were barely on the map and fought the mosquitoes for territory. We were already exhausted and behind schedule and considering getting out to the nearest road and hitchhiking to civilization. But was it beautiful? Yes. We started on one side of the North Sister, and despite the treacherous hiking conditions, we could mark the passage of trail time by noting how the view of it changed and how its middle sister began coming into view. There were incredible creeks and streams and the wild flowers. And even in, even in that burn scar, the wildflowers and the butterflies were amazing. Mornings were something that became a point of contention. I am a slow, languid morning creature, and my love can throw everything together and be out the door or on the trail in 15 minutes, especially when there are mosquitoes involved. Throughout this trip, I 
became keenly aware that I was slowing them down. There is no way in a moon full of Mondays that I would have made it across that burn scar without them. And that when we stopped for food or made camp, that they did 80% or more of the work because I was exhausted and because they are a cancer son and they just automatically took care of me. So I felt infinitely loved and shamefully not enough at the same time. The second day was better and beautiful and perfectly exactly what we had hoped for with this hike. We were out of the burn scar and there were much, much fewer down to trees across the trail. And we walked through some of the most beautiful scenery. I am in love with those high alpine meadows with their wildflowers, the paintbrush, and the lupin, and the shooting stars, and oh my gosh, the butterflies. And walking between two iconic Oregon mountains, the South Sister and Broken Top, and feeling like I could reach out and touch both of them. Because really, I wasn't walking between them so much as walking on both of them at the same time. We descended out of the Alpine area and into the Green Lakes Basin and the sight of those glacier-fed lakes. There are no words. My love is working on a project of recording video of beautiful moving waters. So we rested a few times along the way. We ended up swimming and getting cleaned up in the smallest and the warmest of the Green Lakes. We hiked on into the evening, making up a couple miles that we hadn't got to the day before, and we camped under some big ponderosa pines next to the runoff creek that we had followed out of the lake basin. Now, you can insert and repeat here the paragraph about camp and the distribution of work and the contention involving mornings. But that third day was beautiful and emotional and hard. We visited Moraine Lake, which holds a special place in my heart as the camping spot for a couple of different backpack trips as a kiddo, as the starting place for summiting the South Sister. It was exhilarating and emotional, and my love filtered all the water while I explored the area and traveled down memory lane. And... Then we started off across the pumice desert, and it was hot, and I was slow. And then we finally entered the forest, and it was a couple of miles of going straight down. And I was slow, and it was hot. And we rested at the bottom and made lunch and had a horrendous experience with some powdered eggs and cheese that just shouldn't be attempted with a backcountry stove, and I felt really ridiculous and apologized all over myself, and then we realized the shaded ground we had chosen to sit on was very pitchy, and we were covered with sticky sap. And then we started across the real desert. Wikiup Plain is several miles long. It was mid-afternoon, and it was hot, and I was slow. And this was really the only time on trail that my love was openly frustrated with me. 
there was this really cool moment when they recognized a scene of the trail leading on in the distance. And they said, wait, I have been here before. And moments later, we connected to the Pacific Crest Trail at a junction and we realized, indeed, they had been here before. Also, that arid trail was punctuated by hundreds of the tiniest, most perfect red butterflies, or maybe moths, that I had ever seen. We crossed that high, hot plain and came into more forests and open, wet meadows that were cool and beautiful and flowery and mosquito-y. We came to Mesa Creek Meadow, another spot that I had beautiful childhood memories of with my family. We rested and filtered water and got clean in the cold water, by which I should say I complained that my Seenock water bladder had a rock stuck in it and wouldn't close, so my love fixed it and then proceeded to filter all the water because I was just infinitely slower at everything than they were. We crossed the meadow and headed up a steep hill through forests that once again had all blown over in recent storms. Again, I would not have made it through this section of downed trees on my own. And again, my love found a place to camp in a sweet high meadow as the sun was setting and did all the things as I could barely move and was exhausted. The next day had a lot of ups and downs, literally elevation gains and losses. We stopped to film video of beautiful creeks. We marveled at our progression around the mountains and entered a protected obsidian area of the wilderness that we had both been looking forward to. Again, I had childhood memories there. They remembered it as one of their favorite Oregon spots along the PCT. And again, I was slow and exhausted and hurting and bug-bitten. We stopped at Obsidian Falls, and we both took turns meditating on this giant chunk of obsidian. That was a really amazing moment for me, sitting on that rock and physically feeling its fiery, earthy energy flowing upward through my agonizingly tired body. It was truly, truly a gift. At the top of the falls, there's this pristine, idyllic meadow full of flowers and breezes and shiny black rocks, and we rested there, filtering water and soaking our feet and making lunch. On this occasion, I believe I did actually help, but feel free to insert the previous statements about them doing the majority of the work. We moved on from there, needing to make miles, but as the evening progressed, I became increasingly anxious, knowing that we were heading to the lava fields area where there might not be much in the way of campsites and being truly scared of pushing myself past my physical capabilities. So we stopped short of 10 miles, and we camped amongst the giant trees on this beautiful flat spot that presented itself. As we unshouldered our packs, a graceful female deer walked past us completely unafraid, and we knew that we had to shelter all of our sweaty or drying clothes so that she didn't come back to eat our salty socks and underwear in the night. We were in high spirits the next morning, even though we were even more behind schedule. 
there's this point on the trail where the forest just ends and the lava fields begin. My love said that PCT hikers call this point walking into Mordor for any of you Tolkien fans. It was hot and dry and steep, but this was one of my favorite places on the trail just because it is so freaking interesting. The way that certain types of rocks would form and then settle as this river of molten lava flowed through. There were ripples of different mineral types, different layers, and these amazing different rock formations that we could imagine that formed wet and then cooled and dried in just hysterically phallic order. And the mountains. We were walking on the very edge of the North Sister, and in the distance, further north, you could see Mount Washington and Mount Jefferson and even all the way to Mount Hood. We made it up and over Opidildock Pass and then down across snowfields and barren hillsides and more beautiful meadows with beautiful creeks and beautiful flowers and beautiful butterflies. And then the day got hot and I got tired and slow and the hurts started really settling in. And we knew we were almost a full day behind schedule and that we would have to push to make it out on time. And we both knew I probably couldn't do it. We stopped for lunch at the junction where we left the PCT and I was so tired I could hardly talk or move. And we ended up visiting with a man who was on a day hike and he offered to get us out to Matthew Lake and back to our trailhead by car. And we were about to take him up on it when we realized, or rather he realized, that that would be a longer car drive than he had anticipated, and he retracted his offer. And so we headed into the evening, heading back toward the way we had come, back toward the Pole Creek burn. This side of the mountain, there were relatively far fewer downed trees, and we hiked into the evening. We stopped at a lovely raging creek for water and a cleanup, and I had this moment where I was done with my own ablutions. I always hate that word in novels for some reason, ablutions. But anyway, I was I was proud and was going to start filtering water all by myself when I tripped over my own bootlaces and ended up sprawled in the dirt and aching. But we continued on from there, the logs over the trail getting worse and worse. And as the sun was setting, we came to a rocky ridge and my love climbed up to see the sunset. It was at this point six miles to our car and getting dark. And both of us wanted to push through, but we had no idea what we were walking into. So we camped on that beautiful high ridge and ate the last of our food. And no sooner had we made that decision when I tripped again, again, this time over my own tired feet and some loose rocks, and I landed hard. And I felt the ping in my hips and shoulders and knew I was going to pay for it. That next morning was definitely the worst one for getting on each other's nerves. We had three miles 
to go to get to the junction where we had previously turned south on that very first day, and then three more miles to retrace our steps back to the car. We actually made the first two miles in okay time, and then the windfalls started to get really bad. We had to keep checking the GPS map because we would get so far off trail getting around log jams that we would lose it. We cheered up when we realized we were just one mile from that much-anticipated junction. But that one mile took us two hours. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I could not have done it without them. I would still be there in that dead skeletal forest crying and picking my way along if they hadn't been there with me. We laughed and cried when we made it to that junction signpost and then turned down the path toward the original trailhead and our car. We made it that three miles in just barely over an hour, proving to ourselves that when given a clear path and the motivation of clean clothes and more food, that we could indeed move fast. We got naked in that dry parking lot and dumped water on our filthy bodies and put on fresh clothes and drank a lot of water and ate a lot of snacks. And then we drove into the town of Sisters and got iced coffees and two bags of salty, crispy, delectable potato chips. When my love went into the store to get the snacks, I tried to get out and accompany them, but realized that in the 30-minute car ride, my legs had stopped working. We drove home a different way, stopping at the top of the Mackenzie Pass at the little rock building with the viewpoints of all the mountains. We marveled at the ridgelines and the forested areas around the Three Sisters and noted certain areas that we knew we had walked through and, and marveled at how far we had come. I could barely move along the paved pathways and noted that my feet and knees were starting to feel numb and tingly. When we arrived home, I I really did try to help unload the car, but I was shooed away because of my limping and gimping along. My love unloaded everything, went back out for pizza, made salads, fed me, and let me take the first shower. There is another type of fat that is incredibly important both on and off trail. Knowing that we would be encountering extra inflammation from extra hard exercise, I made sure we took highly concentrated fish oil supplements with us And I've been taking a bit extra since coming home with my sore muscles and inflamed knees and ankles. Fish oil contains those magical omega-3 fatty acids that counteract and help heal inflammatory situations and are crucial to brain and joint health, even more so when under the pressure of intense trail-induced situations. Omega-3s in a very condensed form or one of my go-to never-be-without supplements, and one of the very first ones that I recommend to almost anyone in any situation. I've been home from this big rock adventure for a couple days now, and of course, 
I have been mulling over all the lessons learned. This trip was one of the hardest things I have ever done, both physically and mentally, and I'm not sure that knowing what I do now that I would do it again. Also, there is that type of pleasure that comes from reliving the hard and retelling the story and saying, I did that. I overcame that. It was harder than I thought, and I did it anyway. I hadn't realized until I was there how important reliving some of those childhood experiences in those wild places was to me. And I feel some sort of important closure and forward movement from having seen them again. So I'm really grateful for that. In terms of being an adventurer, I have had to get really humble and realize that I was not prepared for this. I underestimated that trail. I overestimated my own abilities and I did not allow for, there was no room for the unexpected addition of the blowdowns that made that whole experience so much harder. In terms of being a badass backpacker, I was far too reliant on my partner. I am exceptionally lucky to have traveled with someone with that level of experience who also happens to love and care for me a lot. But if there's a should, it's it's that I should have been better prepared and more self-reliant. In terms of being in partnership with this wonderful human, I feel... I at times pushed the limits of our relationships. Um, They didn't necessarily get the birthday trip that they wanted because their hiking partner had to be cared for. They had to go slow. They had to do more than their fair share of the work every day. And yes, they love me and they would do anything for me. And I know that when they hear this, They will protest that acts of service are their love language and that, of course, they would take care of me. And yet, they also deserve a self-reliant partner who isn't the weakest link and in need of coddling. And we're planning a future together that involves many more similar adventures. And I can't help but wonder if they had moments of second-guessing that after this week in the wild with me. There were also other smaller learned things like, let's pack some caffeine pills instead of making coffee every day. Also, when I'm on trail, I crave salty snacks, not sweet ones. And the nutritional realization that backpacking is a form of forced ketosis and eating really lovely carbs like gluten-free ramen and instant mashed potatoes that I would never eat in real life are actually an act of nourishment on trail. Also, I learned that being on trail, especially when it's hard, is more real life than real life is. So here I am in this both and place of feeling opposing truths. I I am extremely proud of how I rose to the occasion, pushed myself harder than I ever have, and accomplished something so profoundly life-altering and amazing. And 
I am also feeling my shortcomings, seeing where I need to work harder and grow and change in order to be both the competent adventurer and the caring partner that I want to be. So no, I would probably not choose to do this exact trip over again. If I had to, there's no one else I would want to do it with. But as we came inside of our car at that trailhead, our good old Subi McVee, I did actually tell my love that I desire to get fitter and plan better and do this trail again sometime after the Forest Service has had a chance to clear the trails. Sometime when you have time on your hands, and it would be an act of nourishment to scroll social media, please check out Percy and Mars on Instagram, P-E-R-C-Y-A-N-D-M-A-R-Z. There will be many, many photos of this amazing adventure, as well as others, there. Likewise, find me, Persephone Rose, on Facebook for a full photo album dedicated to this trip. And find Red Diva Sovereign Health on Facebook as well for a special through the end of July 2023 on coaching packages, as well as tidbits on Living Sovereign. Thank you, my friends, for indulging me in this telling of a story that changed and grew me as a person. Just as I circumnavigated those mountains, this helped bring closure to a circumnavigation of my own self with a capital S, and I am grateful for the chance to process it. I am Persephone Rose, I am the Red Diva, and this has been Episode 6 of the Sovereign Health Podcast. I so appreciate your listening ears. Choose health, my friends. Choose your own adventure. And always, always choose to live sovereign. And now, go out and have a beautiful day.